Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I have a tiny bit of a sort of confession slash explanation for you. At the end of last year, just before Christmas, Paul and I sat down to record the final episode of After the Checkered Flag, a full review of the 2021 F1 season. My plan was to edit and release that episode between Christmas and New Year. However, I forgot to pack the correct SD card with the footage in my bags that I took to Bulgaria for Christmas. Then when I came back, I was packing up my flat because we were moving houses and I still couldn't find that SD card and I only just found it now. So you're getting our 2021 F1 season review 10 days into 2022. I apologise. It's a little bit late, but lots of you have been asking for it and we really enjoyed recording it. So I still wanted to share it with you, but you will notice some of the references in it and some of the things we're talking about seem a little bit out of date now. So yeah, apologies. This is so late. Apologies for that, but blame it on the mayhem that has been my Christmas and New Year. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking now and I hope you enjoy our 2021 F1 season review. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series. Sorry, R, R ah. F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass <laughs> podcast. I say R because yes, it's me, myself, Sam from Seen Through Glass and my co-host, da, 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 da. I think because last time we were together, I... Did I unveil you as co-host? It wasn't the last time that ah, we were together, okay. but it has been a uh, a, a, a recent promotion. Yeah, it's a new thing. <laughs> Who would have thought when we started this F1 podcast that we would come through this entire season and we would be here? Well, I mean, definitely not me, because I started this F1 yeah, podcast. That's, that's true, actually. And you were the only person who was free to join me week on week to review the, uh, the races that we've had. Um, but I mean, actually, it's worked out perfectly. It's been fantastic. And all jokes aside, essentially, it was always going to be Paul and I, but um, I was just winding him up and some of you up as well. What a season we had, my God. What a season. What a finale. Okay, so it's been a few weeks now. We're further down the road. I have to ask you as co-host of... The uh, F1 special series. Where's your head at? What are your thoughts? Uh, firstly, I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> can I just say, I'm so over it. Yeah. Because people know I love F1. Everywhere I go, they're like, oh my God, can we talk yeah. about Abu Dhabi? I'm like, oh, not really. Talk about it so much. But yeah, so I um, actually measured my heart rate on my Apple Watch on the final lap. It was the equivalent of me going on a five kilometer jog. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. horrendous. And I think everyone can join me in saying nail biting stuff. I bite my nails all year round anyway. Sure. I didn't have any fingers <laughs> left. Say, yeah. Whether you were a Max fan or a Lewis fan, that final lap blew everyone's minds. And I think everyone will probably agree there was some sort of entertainment value motive to create that scenario. The one thing that I've picked up that I haven't seen anywhere else on social media, because everything is on social media about the Formula One, is 
flipping the scenario, mm. going back to lap one, mm-hmm. where Max um, stayed within the white lines and forced Lewis off. If Lewis had given that place back to Max and Max had track position, all of the decisions that Mercedes struggled to make throughout that race would have been on Red Bull. Therefore, what would have the ending been? become yeah i mean I, oh you know i did a whole episode with tony talking about this and as you say i've kind of moved on and i, and I now want to almost focus on next year yes. the excitement for that but the two things which we didn't really touch on when we talked about it and i still feel now is is yes what if it was the other way around but a lot of people are saying you know red bull and max won it through their genius strategy you know mercedes could have put lewis on the quicker tires or the softer tires on the mid but no, because fundamentally, the reason that Red Bull had gained that advantage is they were able to do whatever Mercedes didn't. That yeah. was their only option yeah. under the virtual safety car and under the safety car itself. If Lewis had stopped, he would have lost track position. And at which point there was no guarantee he would have had a chance to get it back. And so a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, but that was Red Bull's genius. It was clever. It was clever, but they had to do that. It's all they could do. Mm. And then, and, and yes, you're right, is... is if the, the world, scenarios, if the scenarios, are, and also why didn't they just throw a red flag and do a three lap shootout yeah, like that, in Azerbaijan? Yeah. So many question marks, right? But I personally, and I want you to agree, but no, <laughs> feel free not to. Will I still keep my co-host role if I disagree? <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> Ask Tony how that works. Um, I'm super glad Mercedes dropped their investigation slash yes. appeal. That I thought was very important that that, that happened for the sport. And. I was slightly disappointed that Lewis and Toto didn't go to the prize giving. I thought, given how gracious Lewis was at the end of the year, I thought that was a little bit, I don't know, not quite right. I think he should have sucked it up and gone. Yes, I I would agree. And I kind of feel like they were gracious to, Lewis was gracious to Max and Red Bull because they deserved to win the world championship based on the entire season they don't have to be gracious to the FIA based on what they believe in what happened into the final final sector of... of sure, of, sure. So that, I believe, is just their protest of how disappointed they are in how the whole season ended. Yeah. Given was, that if that was any other race, that would never have happened. Well, it yeah. would have, the, the race would have ended under a safety car. I mean, given the year we had, we can't guarantee that because <laughs> it was topsy-turvy, yeah. to say the least. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing. I think, and I think that was the outrage as it didn't seem right. But I just think at this point, you know, p- put a book in it. Is that put a, put um, a, put a nail in? Put, a, put something in. Not good with that. that. No, hold on. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> long story short, I think suck it up, go to the prize giving, take your second place and, and move on. So uh, anyway. Maybe you just didn't like Paris. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> COVID, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what are we going to do today? Uh, we're not what gonna, are we going to do? We're not just going to talk about this for another hour because, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit sick of it. And I we're, wanna... all, we're, all, we're all over it. It's we're done. all sick of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2022, here we come. And I think as we're going to say later on in this episode, fundamentally and maybe controversially if you're a Hamilton fan, Max was the better driver throughout the year. Yeah. Boom, tsh, mic drop, done mm-hmm. it. So we are going to review the year. We're not going to do it race by race because my God, I don't have that good a memory. <laughs> um, instead, we're going to rattle through teams and drivers, 
genuinely commenting on maybe their season. I thought about giving each driver a score, but knowing how you and I work, we'll give like Latifi an eight and then where do we go from there? So we can try, like we can try and give scores or maybe at the end have like a top five drivers of the year or something. Okay. We've got to do something. We'll go with the flow. But we'll go with the flow and you know, just be prepared if you are, I don't know, I'm thinking of a random driver now, a Stroll fan, sorry, Paul. We might not spend as much time talking about Stroll as we do. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> know, right, so we kick things off right at the back of the field with Williams and yes, I just mentioned what? him, Nicholas Latifi. Not ha- not Haas? Not the finishing order. We're talking about last year. So this is the entry list for 2021. Right. Williams obviously. Right, yeah. No, right at the end of last year. So Latifi, I think unfortunately it was a poor season in my mind. He had moments where he looked like he was getting closer yeah. to George. Yeah. But actually, point proven at the final race of the year when Jack Aitken stepped in with essentially a broken, was it a broken back or neck from that horror crash in Spa? And he was quicker than him in, in practice by a big chunk. And I think it showed up that Latifi, whilst he's shown a bit more promise and a little bit closer, fundamentally still out of his depth against a, a proper, you know, proper talent. I think that there are some drivers on the grid that you would question deserve that seat over someone else and Latifi hasn't really proven himself and like you said um, having someone that isn't a Formula 1 driver come into the car and do a better job than him that is a telltale sign that he is absolutely not deserving of that seat in the same way you look at Lance Stroll's rookie year and the crashes he made mistakes he made and the interviews that he gave were also like he got a lot of stick Mm -hmm but he has molded into someone that deserves a seat far more than someone like Latifi. And now we've seen Latifi's out. Where's he going? Well, Albon's got the seat. With Latifi, the teammate. Oh! <laughs> I was like, welcome, wow, welcome to the exclusive, ex- <laughs> exclusive Latifi. I was going around that point thinking that Latifi's not got a seat next nope, year. Um, I'll uh, uh, leave now. Yeah. <laughs> so no, he's still there. I mean, I think, you know, I'd say, hey, look, he scored points. He scored points and there were definitely Everyone moments. Everyone scored points this year. <laughs> Such a joke of a year. Except the Haas team. Uh, <laughs> it felt that way. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it, at times, it, I say he looked like he was getting there and getting competitive. And I actually think at times within the season, especially when he was scoring more and sooner than George, I was a bit like, oh, it's really diminishing Russell's star slightly yeah. here. But well, you definitely a, have said that in one of the podcasts this season. As a season as a whole, I think Latifi, unfortunately... Uh, well, let's see how he compares against Albon. I think if he has another crap year against Albon, it's going to be tough for him to fight his way past that Williams mm. seat. Not that mm. I'm expecting him to lose the Williams seat because money, 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 money. <laughs> Is um, he someone we should go after for sponsorship? Potentially. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we come on to his teammate, no longer teammate. Oh, nemesis. Georgie Russell. Georgie. Um, we, we, we call him Georgie because who was it? Will Buxton? Who was it? Will, it, was, it was Will Buxton. Will Buxton yeah. on commentary. Over familiar. Over I mean, he does know everyone. So. Call him Georgie <laughs> Russell. And so in our WhatsApp chat, we can only help. In capitals yeah, as well. Georgie Russell. <laughs> now, uh, the man scored a podium in a Williams this year in a, in, in a race that never started. <laughs> yeah. Um, but By default. What are your thoughts? Not about going into 2022. How do you review his 2021 season? I actually think we did touch upon this halfway through the season. I don't believe my my opinion has changed too much because we are yet to see him in a car that can confidently compete in the top half of the grid where racing 
is alive because we've seen the midfield become much closer together and the likes of McLaren and Ferrari actually start um, competing for podiums. Now, what we will see for the first time next year, we got a glimpse of it at Bahrain when he got into the Mercedes, but what we'll see is George almost having a like almost like a rookie year again but in a car that ha- we think is going to be capable of winning a world championship so what we will see is an elevated version of George Russell we all know that he's fast his qualifying shows that but the Williams race pace isn't competitive enough for us to get a real idea of what he can and has the cap- capability of doing in a Mercedes car um I don't doubt that he's going to be incredibly fast and pushing Lewis, Red Bull, Ferrari and McLaren. But we just haven't seen him properly wheel to wheel go after wins. So I'm excited. I think he's got the pace. He hasn't definitely not got the experience. So what I think next year will happen, I know you said don't do this. (laughs) I genuinely believe he will be a better wingman than Bottas for Lewis to try and fight for that eighth world champion, especially after George Russell's tweet after Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I I like to be critical because he's seen as the second coming, right? This is Hamilton's I hate successor. that side of it. Okay, so you, ha- okay, so, th- but so because of that, because of the hype train, mm. because of the- You want to get off. Yeah, I'm a bit like- Well, well you don't even want to get on. I don't. I haven't gone on. I've been quite critical. By the way, super nice guy. I actually did meet him at the what was it? GQ car or was it? Like, super nice guy. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about you know my loyalty. PR's dream, shall yeah, we well, say? PR's dream. I, I'm like, if you are Jesus amongst F1 drivers and surefire going to go and challenge Hamilton and win future championships, you you got to be great. And and I thought this year maybe because for him he was frustrated he didn't take the step up and he felt like it was a bit of a holding year. There were a few more cracks of, to the sort of completely shiny marbled surface that we had previously. So of course some unbelievable results, some incredible qualifying, and yes that sort of slightly quirky Spa podium for sure. But some other great races within that. But alongside that, there were moments where, unbelievably, Latifi, who we've just slagged off, outperformed him. <laughs> Some mistakes, let's not forget, smashing into Bottas at yeah. Imola. Like, and it's a few moments where you were like, hmm, you know, I, I thought this guy was going to be the whole package by now. This is his, what, th- is it third season in Williams to have perfected his race? Quite Like, you know. That's asking a lot. I, that I, is a tall order. If you look at Lewis or Max. Oh, and Leclerc for, for and their, Ricardo, well, yeah. They all make mistakes. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's, but I didn't think it was weirdly, even though he scored more points than he ever has done. I thought it wasn't as impressive a season. That's just, I know a lot of Russell fans and there are many, mm. by the way, are going to come out with him and point out loads of places. But I, just, think, you're, I think you're being overly critical and overly- Potentially. Over, which is, is fine. Yeah, I'll but, just challenge yeah. it. <laughs> as a casual observer, I don't know what I wanted, but I thought- Not him turning up to the final race of the season in a suit. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, should we explain that a little bit more? The weird PR photo shoot him walking through the paddock? It was definitely an ad for the Kingsman, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the photo shoot was literally as if Ayrton Senna had come back to life and entered the Abu Dhabi pits the way that he turned up. Was yeah, photographed. A lot of confidence. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, yeah. Good on him for having yeah. that. I would not have had that confidence. So good on him. But. It looked far more heroic than I think it needed to. Yeah. 
Yeah. But there no, again, it I was mean, it was advertising Kingsman, which I mean they are maybe, secret agent heroes or whatever. Maybe, he maybe he did the brief. He was playing movie, the part. As you say, I'm probably being overly critical, but I feel like I need to be and I want to be as a way to kind of like, you know, assess whether this guy is the real cause, deal. Because he based on junior series, this guy should beat Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris, Sainz. Like he should beat them all. So that's why I'm looking at it being like, I really want to delve into those results. Anyway, so let's try these numbers. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'm giving Latifi a five. Okay. And I'm giving Russell a seven. Oh, okay. I was going to go six and a half for Russell. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give him but yeah, they're fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So Haas, Woo. Mm. it's not going to take long. <laughs> uh, Mazepin and Schumacher. Yeah. So go on. You, I know you're a big Nikita fan. You're slightly biased, but- uh, <laughs> No, that's only whether, if Dimitri Mazepin is watching uh, Nikita's father. Because we sponsorship. Yeah, because I just feel like there's an opportunity there. We're going to rebrand our whole studio <laughs> yeah. in the Russian Maybe we'll colors. get rid of this piano yeah. and replace it with one of those ballet Russian things that they have. That's so stereotypical. Is sure. it? Okay. I think so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Come on. So yes, Nikita. Nikita, look, we've seen this throughout the season where- the actual experts have said that car is near on impossible to drive. So I can't go super critical and fault Nikita or Mick. I think they've both done pretty good jobs in the grand scheme of things. And by that, I mean, they've finished most races. That's about it. The only thing that I would say is maybe Mazepin has solidified a position a little bit more on the grid purely because he came into this season with so much controversy surrounding him, how he got the drive, even down to the livery of the car. I mean, that was such a huge talking point when they unveiled it, going from what Haas was and two. So you can see how much influence there is from him uh, with the team. And I think that overshadowed Mick Schumacher quite a lot in terms of what Ferrari and Haas wanted from a Schumacher back on the grid. I think they've both done like a fine job. I wouldn't say they've gone above a George Russell in terms of a performance, but I wouldn't say they've necessarily gone below a Latifi. And I think I'm giving them more credit than maybe they deserve. I don't know too much about, it just comes down to the car to me. Mm. And I just, I genuinely just think like if any, anyone else would also have the same problems in a rookie season. Yeah, I think I think my takeaway personally is that Mazepin actually, as many as horrified as people will be, I think he improved over the year. Mm. I genuinely do. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Of course, as uh, anyone who's watched the sport regularly will know that that car looked like a pig to drive, was not developed at all, was a handful for all of them. And yes, you would expect almost any other rookie to make as many mistakes, if maybe if not more. Mm. But Mazepin at the start of the year to Mazepin at the end of the year, I think also he showed a little bit more of his personality, his human side when he was able to his absolute dis distraughtness being so distraught i think it was in brazil, brazil when he made that mistake and felt like he could out qualify mick and, and and made that you know that allowed me to appreciate how hard he is working and yes he may not always come across as the best human i think he's made some mistakes outside the sport and at the beginning of the year but i do think he became a more rounded driver mick schumacher I think it was a very solid first year was it absolutely mind-boggling no he made a lot of mistakes it was as to be expected 
Yes. Considering yeah. his F2. I think, yes. Con- uh, to be accepted from a Schumacher. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it wasn't spectacular. There were moments, hungry, unbelievable. Yeah. Some good quality laps for sure. Um, but the car was hard to drive and he made those mistakes. And But that's the kind of thing, what he needed to do. Stay away from the spotlight, stay away from the pressure um, and get it done. So I will give them, I'm going to give them both sixes. Yeah. I think that's Actually, fair. no, maybe both five. Five and a half. Five yeah, and a half. We'll yeah. go in the like, middle. There's somewhere around five or six. Yeah. Like, uh, I do think Mick Schumacher may... Uh, no. I was going to say perform better than Latifi. Mm, uh, no. He made some mistakes. They, he did. He did. But it's a rookie year compared to what? Year <sighs> True. two or three. Like, Are we being unfair? I don't know. But I it's hard. hard Mazda's spin drifted away. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. exactly it. You know, I, th- I think, I think Mazda's definitely uh, over uh, the year. I was fully expecting it to be week in, week out. Oh, there we I go. I thought it was going to kill yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah, I genuinely thought yeah. it was going to kill someone. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was a bit disaster. So yeah, as we've already worked out, the number rating system, impossible. <laughs> really hard to do. We're really bad at. We're going to keep giving it a go. As I say, by the end, we're going to be like, 11. <laughs> Definitely an 11. So, Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi. So, farewell, Kimi. Yeah. Now, worth, obviously- Worth touching upon then moving on. Yeah. <laughs> as he we, would want to, as he would have wanted. As he would have wanted. We've said farewell to Kimi before as, as F1 fans, you know, back in the day when he retired after his championship winning year, uh, or just after his championship winning year. Um, I don't think he's coming back now. I think that, no, that, that is, is definitely def- farewell. Based on everything that I've seen on social media, he is done. He is gone. <laughs> and what I quite liked is they put out the driver's predictions for the year. <laughs> yeah. He was retiring. Yeah, yeah. Like he was like, yeah, I'm yeah, out, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. gone. Before the season had started, he was already in holiday mode. Did it feel like maybe throughout the year, we kind of got that? Like, I kind of felt like he was keen to get home for most of the year. Oh yeah. I think it yeah. was maybe not Kimmy's strongest season ever. A, cu- a couple of moments. No, yeah, a couple a couple of moments oh, which yeah. I think he'll I don't even think he'll cherish. No. I, <laughs> I was trying I was trying to think yeah. of like a nice word to say. Yeah, like there were some moments they'll probably live in his memory for all of 5 minutes. I think contractually <laughs> he was there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what a hero. What yeah. an icon of yeah. the sport. I mean, absolute legend and and if you look at his career and like back in the early and I know you were a huge fan of the early noughties you know when he was going up against Montoya and Schumacher you know I almost forget and overlook that era of Raikkonen because he really was the Verstappen of his day if not more impressive than of course taking that championship in 2007 the Lotus era when he came back and drove the car that I drove. <laughs> Just to remind you there, Paul. I drove that Formula 1 car. Um, you know, obviously a mega. And then, of course, the years with Vettel at Ferrari, I think, you know, where they formed that really great friendship. So we've had an amazing journey with Kimi. Yeah. Just this year was a bit like... You, I think the one thing we can appreciate with Kimi and the sport and their relationship is normally we only appreciate a legend once they've got. And I feel like as a community, the F1 world has appreciated him in the present with with the memes, with the social media, with him as a driver and all of his accolades as well. I think it's quite rare that we have a legend in the present. And that's- It's a very good way to describe it actually. The best way to send him off. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we'll see Kimi again in the F1 paddock. Not at all. I mean- I just I don't. No, I mean no, he no. wasn't there in his break back in the late. Oh no no no, like, he, he he's gone. Right, he's I don't even th- I don't even think he'll leave Finland. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is he not in Switzerland? Oh, 
I think he's in Switzerland. I don't think he's lived in Finland for a while. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's moving. Back maybe, to maybe he'll go back. Anyway. It will be. It will like Vettel is very very good at not doing social media, and I'm pretty sure he lives on a farm, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what Kimi Raikkonen would do. Uh, so I think we move on to. I'm going to say maybe the saddest story of 2021 when it comes to drivers, mm. Antonio Giovinazzi. Mm. Now, oh by the way, Kimi's season. I'm going to give him like a three. Okay, I, I really yeah, think it's bad. Yeah, Again, yeah, yeah. there were a couple of moments. I think was it. Uh, <laughs> Where did they race? We did some amazing overtaking. Anyway, there were some moments, but I think in general, yeah, uncharacteristic he did, mistakes. He did a lot of overtakes tired. this season. Yeah, he was up there with Vettel yeah, and yeah, Alonso. Alonso, yeah. But also knocked off his front wing almost every race. <laughs> yeah, Portugal, Portugal. Like, you know, like, so there was like, I'm going to give it a three. Uh, not because I don't love him. But yeah, my, um, my score is not vacant like Kimi all not, season. Not vacant. Out of 10. Not vacant. As in, it doesn't exist. It's not here. I haven't, uh, got, I haven't got a rating. You have to give him one. No, oh. I don't think vacant. Not vacant doesn't make sense. N A. That's no. not vacant. I know it's not. <laughs> not applicable. Yeah, but N A. N V is not vacant. N V then. <laughs> okay. See how the scoring's working. Yep. Okay, so back to. Can't wait to use this rating season next season. <laughs> rating system next season. Giovinazzi. What about him? I think he had a stonker of a year. Yeah. I think that Alfa Romeo fundamentally wasn't that competitive. I mean, as we saw in, this, you know in the points. Going. We will see whether he did have a stonker of a year or not, because we're comparing him to Kimi Raikkonen's season because mm-hmm. they're in the same car. Is what Bottas will do next season in the car. Fair, but I mean, we're getting a whole new car theoretically next year. So hard, hard to judge, but- I'll but, judge. Yeah, I know you <laughs> But I think, I think Giovinazzi was consistently there or thereabouts on the weekends where the car could deliver. He delivered, and towards the end of the year when pressure was on, he delivered some outstanding qualifying performances. Yeah, his race craft was, you wouldn't even get to see a lot of it, but, you know, he managed to sneak into good positions when he could. Like, I just think it was a good year, and I, I think, hey, look, I'm excited to have Guan Yuzhou in Formula One. I think it's good for us globally. Oh, sorry, us. <laughs> <laughs> Me as a representative of <laughs> I think it's good for the sport globally to have a, you know, Chinese driver. I think it's great. But... I do agree with what Giovinazzi said, which was money talks. And yeah. I think on merit alone, he probably earned to stay. A seat, a seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so did so, Hulkenberg though, so. Yeah, no, fair, well said. Uh, <laughs> considering that you're saying nothing, I get the feeling you've got nothing to say. No. So let's try a score out of 10 for Giovinazzi. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a six, seven. I'm gonna give I was going to say, you can't give I'm him less than George Russell. I was, I was going to go seven. Seven. Yeah. There'll be so many people going, Russell deserves a 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Alpha Tauri. Oh. Now, I think oh. one of the drivers of the year. Easily. Pierre Gasly. Yeah. I mean, this guy. Now, the thing is, right, not only did he just have the most unbelievable year in a car that I think was competitive and he didn't always get the chance to be as competitive in, like what? How many top five qualifying appearances and solid race results? I feel like there was more from that car uh, that he could have delivered an unlucky start of the year. But... Where does Pierre Gasly go from here? Mm, it's, it, is, it is such a hard... It, it must be... He must sit there and ha- ask the same question. Because I don't think he is of the mindset of, I love being in a midfield team and outperforming them. Like, being the guy outperforming his car and being the underdog, I think he like, I should win a championship. Yeah, like, but I also think, as we saw with Red Bull, he, he struggles when the situation isn't perfect for him. But how many drivers have we seen struggling in the Red Bull team alongside Max Verstappen? Even Danny Rick got the Not hell out Perez. of there. Well, <laughs> yeah, true. We're going to come back to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of retracted that <laughs> statement. <laughs> Swallow that one. Um, 
I, it's, I, I don't think it's fair to judge Gasly on that solo season. A bit like, can you judge Perez on his McLaren mm, season? Like, mm. it, it was too much too soon in a seat that we've known has been incredibly hard to keep hold of and to look competitive in. Whereas now he's settled, he's sort of leading the team slightly, he can perform in his own way. But it, but is that it for Gasly? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, is he so comfortable within that team that if he was to move into a Ferrari, into a McLaren, into a Mercedes or whatever... Is that suddenly going to the tide's going to turn? So you think his the pressure might start to chip away at him again? I I I do think if he was if he was to be promoted, I feel like he has had that car almost built around him, and I think he has worked really hard to develop that car so that he can push it to that hundred and ten percent. Because we're seeing some of the way some of the drives that he has, some of the results that he's got. Um, he's he's what you said earlier on in the season is there are drivers that just level, like really maximize almost like the, the driver and the car becomes one. Um, and I think he's not far off that with Red Bull. And I think, I just think if he was to go to another team, he would almost be starting from scratch again and learning a new car. And if he was to go back into Red Bull, you're still a number two to max. Oh, I don't think he's ever going back into football. No. I think that's gone. But, but I think I'm he's sort lost with, of a, with I think you. He... Like, I'm sort of with you. Where I think actually maybe his his path is the most fantastic number two, as, as in a Bottas. Mm. Maybe he is a Bottas to a Hamilton or whatever, where he's going to get victories. He's going to have the chance to compete, but maybe can't quite live with a Leclerc, a Verstappen, a Sainz, a, a Norris, mm. a, whoever it might be, a George Russell. Um it's tough to tell because I'm with you. I think he's, I think he's in the perfect environment to maximise that yeah. car and that opportunity. And what a season! Being, being an unsung hero, a little bit of an underdog, and and I think um, Bottas summed it up so well on a, another Formula One podcast that at the moment we can't get those kind of guests on. <laughs> but uh, he said every driver on the grid is physically capable of driving a Formula One car for an entire race. It's the mentality that allows drivers to rise above the pressure. And actually, I watched a, a video of Tiger Woods explaining how he got taught how to take golf shots and how he's passing that down to his son. Amazing. And he said, if there's one person watching you take that shot or 10 million people watching you take that shot, it's the same shot. The ball isn't moving. It is the same shot. And that mentality in golf, I know it's slightly different. From no, no, one, but it's a great comparison. But yeah. it was, it was like... It almost like went straight through my body to be like, I wish I had Tiger Woods as my. <laughs> <laughs> I now understand. Yeah, yeah, when I turn that video camera on, because like I play golf every now and again, and I can still feel pressure even on a tee if I've got people waiting behind mm -hmm. me or there's people just watching through, and you're going, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like, don't f this up, don't f this up. It's the same shot. Well, how many times nowadays are we learning and discovering? the mental aptitude mm. mental, is the biggest part of any athlete mm. or any sportsman. Yes, there's a physical ability and you see it in more physical sports, you know, as, as you mentioned before, Ronaldo's ability to train and, and fitness levels and things like that. And we saw it in Formula One with Schumacher pushing it forward, Hamilton yeah. pushing it forward, um, you know, various levels of strength things. But fundamentally with any sport, it's mentality. And look at Radicano. She just won yeah. BBC Sports Personality rel relatively recently. I think you can look at the two mentalities of Verstappen and Lewis at Abu Dhabi. Sure. Yeah, okay, fine. Like that is the prime example. Max on pole, going after his first world championship. Lewis having won seven, knows the drill. 
Yeah. Look at the start. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Look at the entire race. And look at the emotional release from Verstappen at the end of the yeah. race. You know, I think that did a lot to to uh, make him a little bit more admirable to Hamilton mm. fans. But yeah, so Gasly, I say, I, I'm putting him right up there. Could I give him a nine? I'm not quite sure. No. I think he's an eight no. and a half. Yeah. You know, a slightly slower start to the year. I say not always his fault, but, but incredible, uh, super yeah. impressive and yeah. great. Sonoda, mm. not so much. No. Well, um, I think he, his, um, the highs and lows were were even higher and lower than Gasly in the sense that you wouldn't expect that much from Sonoda in a rookie year, but his lows were were pretty low. And then his highs, like- uh, What were they? Huh? What were they? Well, the, the, if like- you talk about testing one more time, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you go, the promise of Sonoda in testing. I was like, mate, it's nine months ago. Move on. Okay, so the I, I, I actually watched the entire lap of Sonoda's on board for the final half in Abu Dhabi, sure. that's as high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Abu Dhabi, yeah. he turned up. And I think actually it's been fascinating to see when Albon came on as his like driver coach or mental coach, his change. And he's mm. definitely, we've definitely seen him change. So Albon has un unearthed something or unlocked something in him, which is great. Uh, you say we couldn't expect that much. I disagree. I don't think you should always write off a rookie just be like, oh, it's his rookie year. Like he can make mistakes. I, I disagree. You know, that you've got to prove, you've got to show your talent. You've got to show, you can get away with a few mistakes or a few errors, but fundamentally you've got to, it's Formula One, you've got to step, deliver. In, step in and deliver. And Sonoda, unfortunately for 75% of the year was a little bit, uh, go big or go home. And it yeah. was go he was going home mm. all, all the time. So still promised. Yes, of course. I think great to see him back next year. I love the guy and I love oh, his, his personality. Is personality great. His driving style when he's on it, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but he's got to continue ironing out the, the, the errors at least. A little bit like, um, Grosjean. They say yeah. like Grosjean is without any other car on track, one of the fastest drivers on the grid. I feel like Sonoda's kind of the same. Yeah. Like as soon as there are 19 other cars, he kind of loses his way a little bit. <laughs> You're sort of right. It was like a Verstappen Jeddah lap. That's Sonoda all the time. You know, just in between. I didn't hit the barrier. Uh, so I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a, a six, a five, a five. Sonoda. A five. Yeah. It's aggressive, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, the car was quick as we saw from Gasly yeah. all year. And I think unfortunately Sonoda, yeah, drop the ball yeah. a bit, but but I'm I, I really like him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited not... to see him evolve and yeah. mature. Maybe a six, mature. maybe a five is a bit aggressive. Ferrari. Oh, we got him that early. Oh yeah, well because that's when they, they were so they were. bad last yeah, year in 2020. Were. Not much better than last year. Oh, I almost am, I'm getting a little bit of anxiety starting this conversation because <laughs> you know exactly what I'm. Gonna so say. can I can I preempt it and let let, let you run with it? Okay. <laughs> Carlos Sainz. Yeah was the better driver than Charles Leclerc this year. <laughs> and we actually have to dive into it. So That's come such on. An evil laugh. I know, I know. I, know I, feel, been, I feel bad for Charles. <laughs> you've been foaming at the mouth. Because <laughs> I usually fly the Leclerc fan, the flag. But um, okay, so come on, t talk, talk no, me through. I, I think it was like, they could make a movie out of Ferrari season this year in the sense that there's such a huge backstory to the expectations that we had at the beginning of this year like if you look at charlotte clerk's uh f2 into formula one just in terms of the drug because well, i don't think we were expecting much from the team but you mean the no, driver the, battle, yeah 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 like into team battle yeah and um yes exactly but i think the expectation that rests on charlotte clerk's shoulders is far greater and heavier than what carlos Sainz was coming into the team and and expected from him you kind of thought 
Carlos was going to be like a number two to Leclerc, really kind of like Bouchard's ego, just signed this really long contract and getting Ferraris left, right and centre from Ferrari Monaco and daily driving a piece to Spider. Um, and uh, we've seen it before in Leclerc's cracks, is what I'm going to call it. Um, it was Monaco 19 where he had a bad qualifying and then just, it, he Trying just- bash his way through the field. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it 19? Maybe. But you could just see in the interviews, like you, right, you yeah. could just see in the interviews, you could see how he lined himself up on the grid and you could just see from his driving style that he was overdriving the car. He wanted to prove himself as a Ferrari driver in Monaco, his home race where he'd had a disastrous qualifying that he not only deserved the seat, but he was this world championship fighting guy that was going to lead the path for Ferrari to the future and to great success. And I saw it there and then. He, he he completely missed the mark on how he was supposed to drive there. <laughs> and, cr and like crashed I mean, into everyone. Do you want to fight? Re he retired. Can we not talk about previous seasons, please? Because I will, <laughs> I will no, kick you off the show. This builds up to the expectations sure, that we had this sure. year where the Ferrari was potentially going to be more competitive. We were mm. going to see it up on the front row, potentially in podiums. Carlos Sainz, on the other hand, I said this at the beginning of the podcast. I didn't think he was a Ferrari driver. I didn't think he had the face to be a Ferrari driver. Not not saying anything bad about his face. I just didn't feel like... Didn't see was, him in red. It was weird to see this Spaniard um, in red driving a Ferrari. And actually, it was really weird to see some of the promo shots of them. I think they were in SF90s at Monza or something like that. I was like, oh, I'm just not comfortable just with this. Gel with yeah, it. it just was not sitting right with me. And I said, I was like... I actually don't think, considering how legendary Ferrari is as a team, that is the right move. Um, and I have massively been... Made to eat your hat. Yes, yes. There's just been this... Um, it's kind of gone like that, I feel like, is the best way that I can describe it. Not that Charles Leclerc is really... listening, uh, Paul oh, sorry, yes, scales yes, with yes. his hands. And the yeah. weights have been changing. Yeah. Not that Leclerc has had a bad season... Um, I've just really enjoyed watching Carlos Sainz really come into his own and drive that Ferrari's wheels off. Okay, so a few things that I'll say. I really want to go back to our season preview. If I didn't say it, I'm kicking myself and I, and I, and I now sound like a glory supporter <laughs> if I am saying it. I, I saw Sainz coming because, because at the end of 2019, when he left, well, no, when was he at McLaren? 2019, when did I, when did I go last to Abu Dhabi? Yes, 2019, sorry. He got, again, I think fifth in the championship, was it? At McLaren. And, or maybe it was sixth at that time. The way the paddock reacted to him and his success. I remember this. I was like, oh, this guy's going places. Yeah. I was like, there is something going on here. This guy, there's the excitement around him. There was a kind of like uproar. It was this end of the season. He had this amazing end of the season, blah, blah, blah. So when he got announced for Ferrari, I was like, I totally get it. And I actually think that this guy's a dark horse and, and everyone was writing him off. Mm. Now, as much as I was like, okay, I see this guy, big future talent. Of course, I'm like, Leclerc's like, yeah, yeah. I run the fan club. Like, so, <laughs> so this guy for me is the golden child. And up until 2021, I was like, look, yes, mistakes. But as we've spoken up for Hamilton, Verstappen, Alonso, mm. like mm. you can chart mistakes left, right and center. It's because they're usually driving so close to that limit every now and again, they drop it. And hopefully over time, 
those get ironed out and you get a more consistent driver. You know, Leclerc did, especially in qualifying, not so much in the race, but especially in qualifying, he seemed to always just dance on the limit. And and obviously in Monaco, we were laughing and joking because when he was going for that pole lap, I literally texted you, we both said at the same time, we were waiting for him to crash. Yeah. Like then he did. Uh, but you know, <laughs> there was such that feeling of like, this guy is so on the edge, a bit like Verstappen and Jeddah, that a crash felt around the corner. But this year, I disagree with you. I think science has had an unbelievable season. You know, it made its mistakes as well, but uh, to be expected when you join a new team. Consistency has grown and grown and grown, but I think he has unsettled Leclerc. And I think Leclerc's had a messy year. Mm. I think his first half of the year was strong. Statistically, Leclerc has outperformed science there, right? This season? No, no, no. Science finished the championship ahead of him. That was the whole big point. He outscored No, but him. like statistically in terms of like race wins, podiums, qualifying... I saw a stat that kind of was arguing, okay, science. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Finished ahead of him, but I kind of feel like there was some graphics that I saw where it okay, favoured Leclerc. So, uh, Science finished in fifth in the championship, Leclerc in seventh. Best, they both best race result was second. Obviously no wins. Uh, Leclerc got two pole positions. Points, there's not a lot in it. It's 164.5 for Science and 159 for Leclerc. So it's not like, oh my God, he trashed yeah, him. Yeah. Um, DNFs, two DNFs for Leclerc. So again, you've got to kind of put that slightly in his yeah. advantage. Averaging finishing position was bang on. Science 6.5, Leclerc 6.6. Average grid position, Leclerc did slightly out-qualify him. Average mm. grid for Leclerc was 6.4 and for Science 7.9. And if you look at the chart over the year, they were never much more than t- 10 points or so apart. Like they were fairly evenly matched throughout the season. Yeah. But towards the end there, um, Leclerc, I mean, yeah. just 
I think you d- you did you definitely hit the nail on the head in terms of Leclerc felt feels unsettled. I think he was going into the season with his long contract. Hey, I'm going to be here for a long time. Whoever's coming in is kind of just going to sit underneath me, and everything's going to be about me. And Ferrari just going to want to talk to me about how we're going to develop the car. And it's kind of the weight has shifted. I think he I think he felt a bit like wow. I, yeah. I don't. I, hey, any F1 driver's got to be confident, right? I think he's thinking, I, I got this. I had a bad year. Yeah. There were a lot of complaints about chassis and things like that. And hey, me being me, I still think Leclerc's the second coming. Like for me, <laughs> Verstappen, Russell, Leclerc. How long are we waiting three, for the second coming? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> if all three end up in, if it's Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes in 2023 going for the championship, my money's on Leclerc personally. Mm. Big shout, I know, but I, I love shout. I love the guy. Um, but, but Sainz had a very strong year and just- Snuck it. I exactly. I'm definitely exaggerating because yeah. I feel like I could make this movie. There's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's a movie in this. Like I just think like this. This underdog has come up, and I knew that the the stats were close. But I just think going into the season, how much higher my expectations were of Leclerc, and and how I definitely definitely overlooked science as a driver and um sort of um in that seat. It suggests that give them winning cars, mm. that's a championship winning team ready and raring to go. Because yeah, they, yeah, I yeah. mean, if they don't lose it against each other or you give it to another <laughs> yeah, team by fighting, because they are going to squabble, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they both look ready to win races and get pole positions. So yeah, maybe overly harsh on Leclerc, maybe overly uh, 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 applauding of Sainz. Both of them did have strong seasons, but for me, I, th- I thought Leclerc had a weaker season than you would expect and Sainz came in and picked up the points. So I'm actually going to give them both an eight. Oh, I was going to say both sevens. Okay, fine. Well, you know, we're there or thereabouts. Um, <laughs> Alpine. Alpine. Alonso and Ocon. By the way, we're at 42 minutes for this podcast. So okay, should we, we skip we these guys? No. Uh, we're going to rattle through quickly. <laughs> I'll say this now, yeah. which we'll then repeat next year when we do our season preview. I think Alpine are the sneaky outside bet for 2022. Yeah. I've been saying it for yeah. so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we all saw it when Ricardo signed for them. Mm-hmm. We all kind of said, because it was Drive to Survive that kind of gave us a slither of hope that Renault, now into Alpine, uh, were going to have this amazing car. And maybe since then, that's all they've been focusing on. What we've seen this season is some amazing results from two experienced Formula One drivers, which is why I kind of don't get that excited about them as a team because they've got household Formula One names that you're not going to expect anything completely monumental, but you're also not going to... Lock on winning a race. You yeah, don't think but, that was uh, monumental? It was just because Vettel couldn't follow it. Vettel was faster the whole race. Well, we're going to pick it apart. But what I'm saying is I'm just, I'm just challenging you. like, ah, these are household then- names. Ocon won a race. That's not... Most people were like, who is Ocon? You go find to an old school Formula One fan. You're like, oh yeah, they're, they're not rookies. But I, I'm going to challenge you on this a bit because they've been out in the midfield struggling uh, well, a bit yeah, for yeah, yeah, a chunk yeah, yeah. of time Back now. end of the grid, really. We saw Ricardo trying to push them forward in, in 2020. I don't think we were expecting much from 2021. Is this just because you drove a Renault F1 car? No, no. Like, no. honestly. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> I've seen that TikTok 
so much of you describing the bricks on the car. It's gone viral. It's gone it's fully viral. viral. Sam describing how he had to pump the brakes. It was only like 40%. No I reckon I could do that video off by heart and that the signs that I've seen it. Thanks for watching it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, my, my thing is, yeah, I think they, they got R Ricardo on the whim of like, we're going to do what Mercedes and Hamilton did. We're building towards 2021. It's mm -hmm. what they thought. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be this mega car. We're ready to go, like come on board. Ricardo thought, oh, I don't see the progress being here. McLaren looks like a bit of bit. I'm mm. off. Alonso, as we've both said, and we said on this podcast, would never have come back to a, team that he didn't think was going to be a winning team and he's announced El Plan and I think El Plan is definitely something that he can celebrate and shout when he wins that next race he's going to shout and go El Plan is complete uh, and I think he genuinely feels like they're on that path you know Ocon yeah. yeah I would say I mean a lot of luck went into Ocon's victory if they were at a track where overtaking was more possible with Vessel would Vessel. Never have won that. I, I think we all would have thought and assumed Vessel would have got past. Still surprises me that he didn't, but I think the, the cars Let's so also realise what happened on turn one for those two to be in the running to win the Grand Prix. Well, that's the whole it, thing. It's just yeah, luck. I mean, yeah, you know, all, all of it, you know, fell into his lap. But as much as I was quick to slag him off and he then had some horrific races <laughs> after that, uh, he did also have some interesting yeah. performances and Jeddah was... I think fairly incredible actually and a really solid performance from him and Alonso's gone from strength to strength which yeah, frustrates me to say because yeah. we're not Alonso fans and god that's going to stir the pot when this guy starts fighting for a championship against Verstappen I think we both we're, said we're here going, like, he's just here to sell merch yeah exactly and then those two are going to be going for the 2022 championship Hamilton will be in P8 and, and I'll be in a t-shirt yeah. wearing Alonso we're going to sit each like oh god so I'm going to give Alonso an 8 and Ocon a 7 yeah, I think that's fair. I just don't, it's kind of like for me, Alfa Romeo and Alpine, maybe there's an element of connection that I have to the road cars that I just don't really care as much. I see that. I see that. Therefore, I, it translates to the Formula One team because I like McLaren, I like Ferrari, I like Mercedes. So Alpine's a bit meh. Yeah, but I've never driven one. I think they're going places. Yeah, but the, the road car and the race car team is a bit of a different thing because mm. obviously if you're into the, Le Mans stuff, Alpine is yes. iconic. Yeah, but, yeah. but I agree, I don't think the branding works at all. Yeah. Who cares? And most people are like, Alpine, what? <laughs> um, Aston Martin, another one that we maybe will rattle through quite quickly. Well, yeah, reverse, reverse Alpha Tauri's season. Yeah, I mean... It's probably the way that you'd describe Aston Martin. A car that we hope <laughs> yeah. they stop developing, like, <laughs> yeah. in May. Yeah. <laughs> Just after Bahrain. <laughs> because if not, ooh, yeah. uh, not good. But I think they kind of admitted as much, right? Yeah. That they got to a, very, a point five or six races in and went, this isn't our yeah. season for us. Yeah. Hail Mary 2022. It was to do with the chassis and rake, wasn't it? It was the rake of the chassis the and then the cut through of the floor. So the new regs, yeah, yeah. obviously they were sort of a carbon copy of the Merc car. Mm. And even Mercedes had, a, had an issue with, you know, cutting that whole of the floors we've seen with the season that's unfolded and Aston Martin just couldn't get their head around it and I think just went cool well. it's Vettel's team radio was was enough to give away the season that they've had because he even he was like well whatever like the season was a bit rubbish and I've made a little bit of I've made a few mistakes uh but on to next season yeah yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. but he, you know we we got to see some great moments from Vettel we got to see some great results I think it felt less worrying Vettel fans who, you know, were quite distraught with his latter Ferrari yeah. years. I think it was like, okay, yeah. he, he's got a life here. There's there's legs in the dog. There's life in the old dog. Do you dog know what? Here. This season, I really um, grew fondly, or back fondly to Vettel. Yeah. Because I think when he was at Ferrari and he was taking that so seriously because it was his childhood dream and he wanted to like live Michael Schumacher's 
world through his life and it was like a dream come true but i actually think he tr- he he didn't enjoy it i mean he probably will say that he did no i think he says that he doesn't okay if you hear him talk about the ferraris now that he's a little bit bitter yeah, in there. yeah yeah it's been really okay good I think. Yeah. kind of backed up my point there. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think i don't think it worked out the way that he was he looks happier yeah out of the ferrari car for sure. I mm. think he's being allowed to be himself a bit more and, and there's a lot of hope and heck, you know, we spoke about it after I listened to the Lawrence Stroll podcast. Yeah. My God, you know, if that guy is the machine that he appears to be, that team is going to go somewhere. Mm. Um, so let's let's really hope for all I've got of my fingers crossed. That next year they kick a Just because I like Aston Martin as a brand. And they've always had a history of outperforming themselves, that team, yeah. you know, through their various iterations. So I think uh, I'll give Vettel a, a seven and Stroll a, I'll get uh, Strollers. I was getting six. 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 Yeah. He had a quiet year. He did. He did have he a had quiet year. He had his moments. Yeah. So tough. McLaren. McLaren. The only team to get a one two all year. <laughs> and arguably, coulda, shoulda, woulda had two victories. Yeah. You know, the Norris Sochi race. Hey, look, you know, this is sport. And a lot of, you know, people who like looking at us going, oh, Verstappen, they robbed Hamilton. We'll go, well, Norris should have won in Sochi if only the rain. So Mm. there's a lot of what ifs and buts. It's definitely more out of the control of the race directors. (laughs) Yes. Unless you turned on the sprinklers. (laughs) So I would say McLaren's season was largely down to Norris. (laughs) Yeah, at least the first half. I mean, still towards the end. It was up to Texas, wasn't it? It was up up to the American Grand Prix where Norris carried the team. He carried the team, and I think Sochi, Sochi knocked him back a bit. Yeah, you know we saw a, a couple of oh, moments. what a drive! Oh my god, um, he should have won the race. He, he should have been very yeah. unlucky. Yeah. And I feel like for whatever reason, whether it was a mindset, a confidence, or the car being should have worked around towards to more uh, more towards Danny Rick. Yeah, Lando just suddenly lost the ball. And we've seen that with how Science was able to catch and overtake him in the championship. Yeah. You know, at the start of the year or points of the year, Norris was 40 points, 50 Flying. points ahead of Science. Like, you know, the guy was- unbe- one point third. Yeah. Third champion- for a long time. For, for a long time. time yeah, yeah, yeah. The championship. So yeah, that, that latter half of the year, for whatever reason, he came off the boil slightly. I think he was but, concentrating on his esports team. Maybe concentrating <laughs> on his esports team. Um, but I think, yeah, Sochi felt like a bit of a, a guttural blow. But yeah. interestingly, most of the team managers all voted Norris as- Driver of the season? Third driver. Yeah, they did Verstappen, Hamilton, and then Norris. Yeah, yeah. And I think that adds a lot of value to your... Credibility. Credibility. You know, if the team managers or directors or whatever are all voting you, that says a lot for his I, future as well. I wonder I wonder how much influence uh, Zach Brown has on Norris. I think, I think it's... A lot of it is... Or a lot of his maturity has come down to Zach Brown. Um, we've seen him, obviously being this like father figure. And it was cool to see uh, Lando's parents actually at Abu Dhabi, yeah, especially nice. when he qualified P3. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think there is an element of Lando that is, he's so good at social media. And what I definitely don't want to see is is the the sort of PR guys pulling away people's personalities so that they, they don't have a voice. Uh, but there's, there's definitely a fine line and a fine balance between concentrating too much on making sure that you've got the right video and meme for your social media after the race than actually concentrating about delivering the results. I think Lando, he's still finding that balance. I think he's getting there. And this season he matured massively. I can't wait to see what he does next season. And those two together are so good. Like Danny Rick is, is hands down like the best personality in Formula One. 
I disagree with everything you say about Norris <laughs> uh, because you've said it a few times and I, and I think we've seen it with, with Hamilton and, and with other drivers. As long as your race results, as long as your performance is not affected. I mean, heck, Kimi Räikkönen has spoken on the F1 podcast about being hung over and, and driving in practice <laughs> sessions. I, I, I am all for Norris live streaming on the grid in his car whilst he's yeah. waiting for the lights to go out. Like, I think that has to be encouraged. This new era of Formula 1 of opening it up, making it more accessible, making the drivers have more personality. I want to see as much from him as possible. And okay, maybe it doesn't make the drivers so godlike as they once were, you know, back in the in the 90s or even in the 70s, you know, these were heroes amongst men living this absolutely unbelievable lifestyle with glamour and women and travel and all these things like that. And seeing, you know, Norris, Verstappen, Russell just jump on a sim like straight after yeah. and fart around with zombie games, you'll be like, all right, mate, just like nerdy kids, yeah. aren't you? But actually, no, I think it makes them relatable. And, and, and so I want to encourage that. And I know as I say throughout the year, you've kind of been quick to, to maybe judge some of his social media antics, but but I'm all for it, especially if he can then deliver a season like he just has, because you're like, holy crap, if this can be, guy can be running his own esports team and he can be live streaming, he can be doing merch, he can be doing reactions, blah, blah, and then delivering people oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an absolute yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, I agree. I'm all for it. And I just, I just want to, I there's no reason to need to, but I want to understand why he came off the boil a bit. Mm. In that, I mean, obviously Abu Dhabi, great. I think that's, what, that's, definitely what I'm trying to highlight because I think it's very easy to to watch sport and see people perform very well for a stint and then kind of fall back and not have a good stint but there's so much off the grid that we don't see um the seeing as the only thing that we do get to see with Lando is his his amazing social media that that's probably the first thing that I would go and blame but you never know what's going on in people's never lives um and I suppose a true world champion will be able to switch that off, which is quite a scary thought. Yeah, and I mean, it, and it could have been the coming of Danny Rick. He never really arrived. Obviously, he had that amazing victory in Monza, which I think, as fans, we all loved. Um, had some very strong results. So you mentioned Austin, and and definitely that latter half of the year, he was there or thereabouts. Mm. He had his moments. It felt stronger, but he still didn't seem to have a complete answer for mm. Norris. Maybe the car was evolved ever so slightly towards Danny and away from from Lando. I think if Danny Rick can continue to work as hard as he has to try and reinvent himself for that team, they're a strong pairing, but it just gave you the sense that maybe the better the car that the better that car gets, the better Norris will get. Yeah. I'm not writing off Danny Rick. I still see the guy as a potential Mark Weber-esque late in his life world champion. Heck, Nico Rosberg won a championship very far into his career. So Danny Rick's still got plenty of time, but you know, McLaren need to deliver that championship winning car quick and I'm not sure if it's coming next year or in a few years down the line. If you had to put money on either McLaren driver to win a world champion, who do you think would Ooh. win it first? Oh, based off this year, still Norris. Do you think? Still Norris based off this year. I don't think Danny Rick's got the race pace. Um, yes, he's got the mindset and I think he's a lot... Yeah, it's, but Lando's been the quicker driver mm, all, all yeah. year. I don't think Danny Rick's got his hand. So I'm going to go Lando nine, uh, Danny Rick seven. Okay. Agree with that. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so our final two teams, we've got to start with Red Bull because yeah. obviously last year were beaten by Mercedes and actually again were beaten by Mercedes. <laughs> uh, maybe we should, no, we'll do Max in a second. Sergio Perez, you yeah. mentioned earlier on like, oh, you know, he hasn't been unlucky in that second seat against Max. He has been able to step up. 
I would and, disagree. So tell me why you thought he did no, so well. No, no, no. Like, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, the entire season kind of flashed back and I was like, oh, actually, no, no, no. <laughs> there's, there's this and there's that. And Hold no. on a and, second. And I think because the way that the, the way that we've done this podcast and the way that we jump into the episodes, I almost have had to black out all of the other races. Like when we come in and we do... Um, I'm literally trying to think of a race like America, for example. Like, I almost have to forget all of the other races so that I can solely focus on what happened in America. And now, because Abu Dhabi is the last race, oh, like, I'm literally amazing. Yeah, which is like that was the best part of the Grand Prix. It was the most entertaining five to ten minutes of what felt like a lifetime watching that race. I know you were watching it live, but for me at home, watching it lap by lap in the complete contrast of what happened in Saudi, where we went from lap 14 to 55 in what felt like six minutes. This genuinely felt like six hours. Yeah, yeah. But that stint when Perez, it was the same as at Turkey, wasn't it? When, yeah, when Lewis yeah, and yeah, Perez yeah. went wheel to wheel again. And it was just fascinating to watch how he drives that car. We all know he's a legend, but... um that was really all I had to base off to be like, what an amazing Red Bull driver. It's actually a very good point because what we saw is Perez's racecraft is arguably some of the best on mm. the grid. And I will say it, and I'm going to stir the pot and come at me, <laughs> but a few other people have said it as well. If Max and Lewis were in that scenario, that was a crash. Oh yeah. Because there were so many times, even in Turkey, and then of course in Abu Dhabi, where it was so on the limit of what could be done by both of them, both Lewis and... But that is racing yeah. and over the years, and we've said it so many times this year on this podcast, we've seen it between incredible drivers. Heck, Mick Schumacher and Verstappen <laughs> in Hungary. Like, close racing, pushing it to the extremities is what Formula One is truly about. And unfortunately, Hamilton and Verstappen bring out the worst in each other. And I'm not saying Verstappen is wholly to blame. Loads of the crashes this year are hugely part of Hamilton also entering into that crash scenario, Silverstone being a prime example. So what Perez and Hamilton do is I think have an unbelievable amount of trust. You know, they've got that experience of having raced over the years in various times when they're both in uncompetitive cars or competitive cars. They've got so much trust and belief in each other that they can race that aggressively. And what that says to me is that, that Perez has struggled to get on terms with the Red Bull in terms of race pace, time management, which we know he's genius at, and one lap qualifying. But put him in a race, like a wheel-to-wheel -wheel scenario, he's still one of the best out yeah. there. So if he can get to grips with that car a bit better, pun intended, <laughs> uh, could he do a better, more solid job as a wingman to Max? I think oh, so. 100%. There were a handful there of races where he was there or thereabouts and helped Red Bull. But too many when he just didn't qualify high enough to be able to help. Or fell further back yeah. and you heard Christian be like, oh, we can't really use Perez. So he's got to do a better job for them to win the Constructor Championship. They lost the Constructors, I think, because of Perez. Yeah. Um, but... Still, as I say, for me, the best racing we saw all year, Hamilton and Perez, yeah. Turkey and Abu Dhabi, unbelievable. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give him a seven. Yeah, I was going to say seven, seven, between seven and a half. Seven and a, a half, seven is, and a yeah, half. is fair. I mean, he, he got a victory, so, yeah. you know, good man. Do we speak about Max now? Do we save Lewis and Max? Let's speak about Max. Come on, yeah. we've got to get into it because, yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> long story short the 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 stat which keeps getting banded around is you know led more race laps than the rest of the field yeah. combined and Abu Dhabi controversy aside he was the he was the champion he yeah. won he drove an unbelievable season 
fairly outrageously consistent and really when he didn't finish was either by Lewis driving into him or him driving into Lewis or, <laughs> or some kind of freak tire blowout. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that was unbelievable. And as much as I don't agree with, with his race craft or race style, as much as I still don't gel with him as someone to support, I think his... Yeah, emotional release at winning the championship the, to show that he cared that much. Because that was always my thing. I was like, I don't think he really cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, he was saying in interviews, yeah. he was like, this isn't going to change my life. And I was like, it what? will change yeah, your yeah. life and you will say it will. <laughs> Which clearly was a mental mindset yeah, and, and, yeah. and work from him. Hey, look, the guy's a world champion. Yeah. And, what, and as he said, whatever happens now is just a bonus. Um, but he delivered on the result or the promise that we've all said. Do you not remember at some point, was it the start of the year for our season preview? We went... Could you imagine if Verstappen never won a championship? We had that conversation. Really? Because someone tweeted it. Someone, we were like, oh, he's like a Montoya. I think it was on our season preview. <laughs> we were like, there is a chance here if Red Bull don't deliver a championship winning car this yeah, year, yeah. he could never. And we were like, no, oh my God. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's gone and he's done it. He's gone and done it. Uh, we've, we've said this in the build up to whether it be Brazil, the only reason why the championship wasn't decided sooner, forget everything that happened on track cars going into barriers everything like the only reason why it went down to the final race is really because of lewis's ability to drive a car and his seven world championships he didn't deserve to be that close um to come into the final race equal on points and i said this quite early on into the championship when we saw imola max boshing lewis off as if to be like get out of the way old man i'm here now I'm on the track. I've got the car to, to win the world championship and there's nothing you can do about it. And he delivered the same attitude the entire season. And given his age, the way that he drove under pressure, whether it be in America or any other circuit where he was just Mexico, like he just disappeared and drove like a world champion. Mm -hmm. And there was this like shift away from me looking at Lewis up on a pedal stool to be like, there's no mistake he can make. Yeah. Like I was looking at his qualifying in 2020 or 2019 where he just could de con consistently deliver and get pole positions where my sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, where I just, the expectation that Lewis was going to swoop on through in Q3 on this second lap and, and just get P1. And the moment that, I realized it probably was like Imola. Yeah, you've said it a lot throughout the year that is your your nervousness going into qualifying sessions realizing Hamilton ain't got yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and I can't remember when you clocked it, but I I I've I've I recognized you saying it multiple times that that it's the first season that you can remember in a long time yeah. or maybe as a re, as a more modern recent F1 fan in this era going, "Oh, yeah. yeah this yeah, this yeah, might the, not the, work the, out." The change of guard is happening in front of our eyes and this season, what it was an absolute pleasure to watch Max Verstappen race and win his world championship 98% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come out. I've got to give the guy a 10. Yeah. But as I say, I still, I still don't like his race craft. I still don't agree. But that's with not going to change. So it's you, not going to change. It's it's how he's been from day one. And he's and he's always said, "I will never change." That's the way his racing that, yeah, style. Yeah. That's his driving and racing style. I don't like watching. It's not how I like to watch racing. But it's effective. It's mm. won the guy a championship. Mm. And as I say, lots of people will always argue that it takes two to tango. <laughs> um, but 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 you know that's my own personal opinion. But the, but the guy has to have a ten. It was a flawless delivery. And and I think. If Hamilton had won the championship, uh, there would have been like a big like, 
oh, how, like, how did he do it? And if you were Verstappen, you must, it felt a bit like a Rosberg. Yeah, yeah. I've thrown what, the book at what it. Do like, you, what can I, what do I have to do to be Best car, best season, yeah. blah, blah, and I've still lost it. So, yeah. so you yeah, know, it, it, great to see, great for the sport. We're going to get a number one back on a car next year. Oh, amazing. Let's see what it does for Red Bull, for Verstappen. Is he, I mean, is this the start of the end? Is that 10 championships now in a row done? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many unanswered questions because the car's, are so different next year. We know nothing. <laughs> we know nothing. <laughs> no, I just I save it for the twenty twenty two. No, 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 no. All I'm going to say. I mean, it is happening in twenty twenty two. Drive to survive. Like I don't understand. I actually, I actually go on. What is going to happen to that season? What in twenty twenty two of drive of as in the season they've just filmed? Yeah, yeah. For drive what, to survive. that's going to come, come out in February or March. Yeah, but I almost, I, I almost, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost with you. It's there's a lot. So Hollywood. There's, there's a lot of excitement around drive to survive for those people who only watch Formula One via drive to survive. <laughs> yes, I think if you don't actually watch F one, you think drive to survive is the best thing in the entire world, and you're going, oh, it's the best season ever. Yeah. I, I literally, it's just going to stress me out. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be so Hollywood. And they're mm. going to use weird clips from all over the place. Yeah. And they're going to have Verstappen and like Hamilton like bumping fists and be like, they're fighting! Oh my God! <laughs> and then Will Buxton will be like, they actually made contact in the paddock. Um, I just, I, I can't deal with that. I, 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 that's kind of where I was shifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I probably would have been more excited had Lewis won because you'd at least get some sort of personality because they're filming Lewis back in Stevenage and there's a whole episode on his upbringing and everything like that. Which but, will be great. Yeah, which will be great. But, but no Verstappen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. The, like, the whole the season was Lewis versus Max and and Drive to Survive. We're not, we're not going to get it. We're going to get one side of the narrative. Anyway, we're not here to promote Netflix. So let's no. wrap this up with <laughs> the final team and the final drivers of our 2021 wrap up. Uh, Mercedes, mm. Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton. So Bottas, farewell Valtteri. Off to Alfa Romeo you go yeah. for a second lease at life. I mean, I'm excited to see him there. I'm not that bothered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like, I do. I know that we've really bashed him on the pod. Uh, race after race, he has kind of delivered the complete opposite to what Perez did at Abu Dhabi. Whenever Mercedes said, Bottas, please hold Max up. <laughs> It was like, yeah. Yeah. let me just get out of your way, Max. <laughs> yeah, um, which definitely didn't help Lewis. Bottas refused to see himself as a number two driver. Um, uh, disagree a bit. There. Really? Yeah. I no, no, no. I, I think he, ref I think he outright refused to accept that he was a second driver the entire time that he was at Mercedes. Did you listen to his podcast? Did you listen to? Yeah. I don't know. I think especially towards the end there, he was enjoying the wingman. I think he thought, let's go win us this championship. And like, it was quite lols in the team radio, like Lewis lost. And goes, <laughs> At least we got the work, the constructors guys. <laughs> like, like, I think he generally thought that's going to be his legacy. Yes, he walks yes, away. Yes. You know, again, it takes two to tango, you know, that they've won eight constructors championships in a row, of which he was what, five, four, yeah. five. You know, so he's been a huge part of that team and all those photos, all those memories, all of that era was Bottas and Hamilton. Yeah. And I think he enjoyed being part of that. I from but from a selfish point of view, I don't think he cared this year. No, not at I, all. I think not once at all. he figured out where what it was, was the happening. moment he put his AMG GT for, up for sale. <laughs> Guys, it's yeah. like April. I think he was <laughs> getting like, rid um, of all my Mercedes. Yeah, I think I think he knew what was coming much before we did, and I, yeah. I think he was checked out. And and I think it was his worst performing year yeah, as I a agree. Mercedes driver. He was far off Hamilton's pace. 
didn't really get in the mix of the championship. Yes, managed to win them a constructors, but- Only fun, just. Only just. And if you look at his results and his results in comparison to Hamilton, etc., it, it was his weakest year. I, it means I'm going to give him a five. Oof, it's brutal. It's really brutal. I was thinking He I was took thinking out six. half the field in Hungary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which was great for the yeah. championship, but half the freaking field. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, not, that's not great for, you know, number two driver of the leading championship car. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would go six. I would go six because there were some moments that he was up there, yeah. and there were some moments where I think we finished the weekend. And I thought that was a good weekend from Bottas. I don't think he deserves a five. I think you're being so harsh. Did he? He didn't out qualify in Lewis then because Lewis had that stonker last few races. But but mm. at one point he was out qualifying Lewis. Oh uh, well, Brazil doesn't really count, does it? Because of no. the grid penalties. Anyway, I mean. Interesting to see, but yeah. uh, let's let's see what happens to him next year. But I think, unfortunately, yeah, a, a, a sad way to bow out. Even though they won the constructors, a sad way for him to bow out um, of, of that team, having had so much success and, and stuff. Just never quite managed to stay on top of or stay with Hamilton. Yeah. So we come on to Lewis, and we are well over an hour into this episode now. And <laughs> it's worth we, it. We it's the season oh, finale. What I'm saying is, we can't go another hour. And fundamentally, oh, we've done it many times and you and I are quick to do it and Tony's even worse than us. We cannot now sit here and gloat about what an incredible driver look. <laughs> he was robbed <laughs> and unlike any other driver. I've heard that enough so from gonna, Tony oh off the podcast when that we two, don't need to talk about it. When you two did the Jeddah special, People were like, oh, it's so great to you know not have the Hamilton fan that is Sam here. Good to have like, a bit of under- I was like, do you not realize Tony is the most blinkered Hamilton fan out of anyone? When I asked him last week or no, two, three weeks ago now, and I said, um, let's talk about when Max pushed Lewis while well, Lewis went one game an advantage. He went, well, let's go back to the start when Lewis absolutely, and I was like, no. So I will kick things off and allow you to either fight me or go with me. I'll fight you. I'm going to give Lewis a nine and a half for this year. Okay. Because I actually think, and we've said this so many times before as a joke, he didn't turn up slash the level that he went to from Brazil onwards, which yes, was helped by the car, but come at me, those who are saying, oh, we just got a big engine upgrade. (laughs) His performances, the levels that he dug down into, he should have realized he needed to get to sooner. I felt like all of his experience, whatever, he thought at some point this will swing. I'm going to I'm going to be able to top all Verstappen here. We're going to come back from the summer break. That's always when I'm stronger. That's when the car's better. I got this. And actually if he had made less mistakes earlier in the year, I'm going to defend his Silverstone move. I'm going to defend the Monza move. Like I'm going to defend him in the crashes because I think both were to blame for pretty much all of them. Yeah. But he made some uncharacteristic mistakes and he dropped points. Verstappen was first or second or he didn't finish. That yeah. was that was yeah. the problem. Where unfortunately Hamilton did have a few races where he, he didn't deliver the maximum results until right at the end when Mercedes gave him that big leg up and he dug deep and just pulled out results that you've never seen before, but t- too little too late. Yeah, I agree. And so as much as I Damn, love I really the guy- Yeah, <laughs> as much as I love the guy, applaud the guy, I think he's the best thing in the world. I, I recognize that he unfortunately, well, Qualifying, he wasn't quick. He wasn't as quick as he has been this year, not just down to the car. And I say a few uncharacteristic yeah. mistakes. Mm. So, so therefore, whilst he's 
not the quite the goat, but near as damn it the goat in my eyes. Um, I recognise that he didn't have his best season ever until uh, it was yeah. too late. As as a season, Max deserved the world championship far more than Lewis, and I think that there was like almost like a, a dust of magic that we saw for the final <laughs> dust of. Massive <laughs> <laughs> sprinkling, <Yeah>. over. <laughs> um, but you're but you're right. Uh, from from Brazil, you saw it was like hammer time on steroids. Oh, because inspiring, it, yeah. Because it was almost like he had been shackled by the race stewards. He'd already accepted this uh, group penalty for the new engine, which he was expecting. But then everything uh, was against him, and. I always remember like years and years ago at school when I got told I can do something. It just motivated me so much to the point where I was almost angry. But to be able to channel your anger in a way that Lewis can on top of what he needed to do in terms of win every single race. And I mean, up until the last lap, he literally was about to win. He'd done every, everything he had to he do. He had done everything he had to do. Um, but in a way, I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe in karma, believe in all that stuff. And whatever did happen in that last lap that allowed Max to win the world championship, there is no way that like I was thinking but how can Max be happy with the way that he won the world championship he's not looking at that one scenario he is looking over the entire race season as we are now now that I'm over the whole Abu Dhabi thing I really am over it I'm wearing a Mercedes hat but I'm over it <laughs> he he drove all season like a world champion and Lewis was beat he was beat by the better man yeah, and I think, you know, there's lots of ways to argue it. You know, yes, Red Bull probably had the better car for the majority of the season, but then you can just say, well, Mercedes had the better car for the last yeah. four races. But yeah. I think Hamilton was an insanely intelligent driver for the last half of the year. I think he called on all of his experience. I yeah. think we saw his unbelievable racecraft and his way to manage Max's aggression. I think, you know, he, he chose when to engage with it, when to push the limits, when to back off. Um, but fundamentally, he needed to be that touch more consistent earlier in the year when he let a few points slip out the bag, which we ha we know usually from Lewis we don't see. I still, as I say, for me, Schumacher's always the goat, but I'm sort of Vettel-minded like that. But but Hamilton is right there, and I still support him till oh, yeah. donkey's days. Yeah, and yeah. look, at the time of recording... The guy's coming back for another year to give it a go. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that, but well, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Right, he's, he's unfollowed F1 on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> he didn't go to the FIA awards ceremony. Full disclosure, we are recording this pre-Christmas because we both have family plans. Um, so, you know, you never know in Formula One what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, Should we finish this off by talking about whether we think... No, because no? if it's happened, it's going to be so awkward. So we'll, we'll have to come back. Okay. Hey, if Lewis Hamilton suddenly quits... What, family holidays are over. <laughs> I'll see you here. <laughs> I think the way we should wrap this off is by basically congratulating Formula One on creating <laughs> one of the most spectacular seasons yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am still not sure within myself whether I applaud how that season came to be. Uh, I, th I think you have to look at it as, as a percentage game and, and at least... 90% of the season was was organic. 
It was all. We think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go all the way back to Bahrain. Give the place back, Max. But do it on the straight so that we can argue about it. And then let's see how the season goes. Because <laughs> I, just, I just think to, to end or to get to Abu Dhabi with equal points, how it was done, it was, it was entertaining. Um, and everyone, everyone has an opinion. Yeah, well, it's opened up the sport massively. Yeah. We've had a lot to talk about. It's definitely been one of the most, yeah, spoken about controversial, enjoyable to watch seasons for a long time. And heck, I'm not sure I've got it in me for another season like that in 2022. So you're saying that you're retiring and then I'm going to become <laughs> the host? No, don't get carried <laughs> But history has told us it's unlikely we're going to have another season quite like this one. But you never know because we've got a huge amount of changes for next year. I don't know if that means we're going to have closer raising or what it's going to mean or whether it's going to change the order. We just don't know. So we will be back with you around pre-season testing. So first, Feb. Is, first testing is behind closed doors, right? We're not going to get a whole lot of information. No TV. That's, that's happening stuff. now, right? Uh, no, no, no. That's the Bahrain one is behind closed doors. Really? And then Barcelona is the one that's being filmed. Oh, uh, okay. Because I think the cars are going to, I think F1 will like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we'll be back with you for after the checkered flag sometime around pre-season testing. Unless... Lewis Hamilton quits F1. <laughs> Unless there's some breaking news that comes in. Flying yeah. back in. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, we will be back and say 2022, whatever the year, uh, we will no, try and make it You know, sorry, whatever the season. <laughs> we will try and make it as exciting as possible for those of you who want to engage in post-race analysis. We might even do some live shows I think we straight should. after races. I think we should. So, you know, uh, we were even talking about this, maybe even hosting like watch alongs and then jumping on these or maybe just streaming live as like we a need to figure out post the, show. Yeah, figure out the mechanic is how, how it's going to work. So yeah. as the checkered flag falls, <laughs> after the checkered Record. flag, boom, live stream. <laughs> tune straight in. So yeah. uh, let's see how that goes. That'll literally be after the checkered flag. Duh, that's what I just said. <laughs> Catch up, co-host. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, if you've enjoyed this uh, this season of After the Checkered Flag, please give it a thumbs up by, uh, on this video here. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Behind the Glass YouTube channel. We're trying to get to 50,000 subscribers. You might have hit it by now. I don't think In so. In which case, 75K. Yeah. <laughs> smash there, smash yeah. that subscribe button. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening, keep listening on whatever audio platform you're listening to. So if you want to follow Paul, he's at WallacePJW on most social media flat, flat forms. Flat forms. Flat forms. Oh, I might change my handles year. to uh, After the Checkered Flag co-host. There might be a better Sounds acronym, acronym yeah, than going that. all in on this one. <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't do that well, this show. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Seen Through Glass. And yes, we'll be back with you in 2022 for what we hope will be another outrageous Formula One season. Come on. Bye-bye. Front. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 